on TV at the Cool Group site. We come here every Wednesday from 11 to 11.50, and our focus always every single week is the same, and that focus is Christians from around Indianapolis who are doing good based on Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. Paul's admonition to Pastor Titus, do good, do good, do good, and that's what we are focused on in this particular show. Cominius Institute is our sponsor. Cominius Institute is one of those uh, nonprofits in Indianapolis, and that particular nonprofit operates across three different bridges, and we'll talk about those three bridges. The first bridge that we cross is into college, and this is the kind of work that I do down at IUPUI. I'm supporting uh, young Christian college students who are in uh, an unbelieving uh, often and public university setting uh, and helping them to navigate their subject areas, their disciplines, helping them to think Christianly about what they're doing at college, answering all different kinds of questions. In fact, this particular Sunday, albeit uh, with Yale Wall and Andy Folan and a few other folks uh, down at the church, uh, at Yale Wall's church down in the city, looking forward to that, doing some apologetic responses uh, to great questions that people ask in their particular service. Uh, that's this Sunday. And then on the second bridge that we cross is into community. That's what we do here on this radio show. This radio show is really introducing people from around Indianapolis to each other who are doing good, Christians who are doing good. And uh, we have uh, yet another person here with us today, Mark Dowd, who's going to be talking about that in just a few moments. And then the third bridge that we cross is into culture. And that means that uh, all of the writing and the speaking and uh, all of those kinds of things that I'm doing on a regular, consistent basis uh, we are doing so that uh, we can help people think differently about the culture in which we live. I'm actually going to Nashville tomorrow, and uh, down in Nashville I'll be speaking at a transdisciplinary conference and helping uh, Christian higher ed folks to think differently about what they're doing at the college setting and the Christian setting as well. So lots of different things that go on uh, in the kind of work that we do in and around Indianapolis. Thankful for the opportunities that we're given, and thankful to be here yet again this morning. So this morning, I wanted to introduce uh, Mark Dowd to you. Mark works for the state of Indiana in the Housing Association. He'll be talking about that this morning. I'll be asking him questions about what he does and the kind of work that he does. So, Mark, thanks ever so much for joining us. Uh, we're grateful for your presence in Indianapolis. And uh, why don't we start off by just talking a little bit about your biography and uh, your family, whatever you'd like to tell us about. Okay. Uh, well, Mark Dowd, I've lived here in central Indiana for uh, over 20 years now. I'm originally from the northern part of the state, uh, but my wife and I moved here when we were new, newly married. Um, didn't have any children yet, um, but uh, like I said, we've been here about 20 years. We have a daughter who's actually at IUPUI and is finishing up her junior year nice. there um, and she's doing, doing great there. And uh, she's quite busy, as most college students are, but she's working part-time and at least two two jobs maybe a third that i might not know about but wow. um so she keeps busy and then i have a 12 year old son who's uh like many boys are into video games and so we try to monitor and limit that um but he seems to have certain uh, gifts when it comes to electronics and computers and things like that so Great. um yeah so i'm blessed with a, a wonderful family um and uh our Church home is up on the north side, and so we have a lot of uh, friends there um, that have stick uh, with us throughout the years. And, and you know, when your life has ups and downs. Sure. 
Um, but yeah, we are blessed. Um, I work uh, for, I've been there almost four years now. In April, it'll be four years with the uh, Indiana Housing and Community Development Association. Nice. Um, my title is account manager, and I work in the home ownership department. And, uh, you know, not, I don't think too many people realize there is such a department in uh, Indiana Housing or anywhere in state government that helps people buy homes mm -hmm. when, when they are financially ready. And so that's what we do. Um, I've learned a lot in the last four years. Um, we do a lot with mortgage companies and with banks, uh, as well as with realtors, trying to get the word out that uh, these programs are available to people. Um, so, yes. All, all different kinds of uh, folks that we have here in the show. And I'm always grateful uh, when we talk to somebody who's actually helping people buy homes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about home ownership and why that's so important to, to us generally as human beings, more specifically as Christians, and how that is benefiting people in Indianapolis? Uh, yes, uh, we are, our agency, of course, is involved in a lot of different aspects of housing, um, you know, Section 8, weatherization, senior housing, and things like that. But what we do is specifically just kind of honed in on the homeownership part. And so, uh, you know, homeownership, um, it's not for everyone. Um, but for most families, it helps to have a stable place to call home, a place that is roof over your head, uh, hopefully in most cases, at least some semblance of a yard um, for families, especially if they have children and you need room and space to play and things like sure. that. So um, these programs are out there. There's a lot of people that don't know about them, but about the programs, but um, they might be working and have a good work history, good mm -hmm. financial history, they pay their bills on time and things like that, but they might not be in a job, unfortunately, that allows them to save extra money. Mm. And that's harder and harder today in today's world with just different things that require funds, mm. um, whether it's, you know, you got to have a car, transportation, clothing, food, everyone wants a cell phone now, you know, that was something that wasn't an issue when I had Exactly, yeah. Um, but, you know, if you have older kids, then they want or need a cell phone, so mm. there's there's more and more living expenses than there were even 30 years ago mm -hmm. for people. And um, of course our taxes, it seems like continue to go up or at least haven't gone down, let's, let's say that. <laughs> um, it's federal level, I guess, they've gone down uh, recently. And we can be thankful we live in a low state, low tax state. Mm, that's not the um, truth, yeah. But um, still, there's a lot of things that cost more now than they used to. Mm -hmm. um, and so with our homeownership programs, we're interested in helping people who can't save up enough money to put down on a house. Mm -hmm. And as the housing inventory, um, especially in the $250,000 level and lower, has narrowed uh, over the last few years because it's hard to find those type of homes that are in good condition. Yes. Uh, but those are about the price level where our programs help the most. So zero to two fifty, approximately. Approximately, yes. okay. Yeah, it, it's really based on the, the applicant's income. Okay. Um, if they can afford more, we can we'll we'll support them more. But sure. At that level, you know, it, it, at a ninety-seven loan to value, you have to bring at least three percent down to the closing. Okay. And that's several thousands of dollars. Right. right. Some people have it, and that's great. Uh, maybe some people have uh, a rich, rich uncle uh, or, you know, parents that will help them out, and that's great, too. But um, mm -hmm. in many cases, they don't. Mm -hmm. And so that's what our programs are able to do is to help with that initial down payment. Um, and depending on the program, they if they move too soon, they may have to pay it back. Right. But if they stay in that home for uh, two years, 
reward, then it's forgiven. Hmm. Um, and these programs, of course, are funded not through tax dollars. A lot of times um, people kind of assume that okay. tax dollars are going to support these programs. Oh. And I understand people will say, well, you know, you got to, um, you know, they should save their money and they should, you know, earn their way and earn the right kind of to live up in their house. And that's true. But at the same time, our overall goal is to have more home ownerships because that's better for our community. Sure. So if we can get someone in the home who's financially ready, then um, that stabilizes neighborhoods mm -hmm. and communities across the state of Indiana. So that's kind of what we do. That is, uh, that's really a great overview. Uh, I wanted to go back and pick up on some of those threads and tug on those a couple of seconds. For those of you who are listening, who are in the military, uh, when Mark mentions Section 8, he does not mean uh, the mental uh, concerns that some people might have. Section 8 in the military is uh, oh. that, you're, that you're not well. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Mentally uh, concerns, that mental concerns there. So I'm honestly just teasing. Um, the emphasis, of course, uh, in the state of Indiana, I wanted to talk about that for just a second because I think this is really an important idea. I wanted to say this just in terms of um, numbers because I think some people will appreciate this. So I moved from uh, Illinois in uh, 2005 and moved here to Indiana. In 1999, when we moved to Illinois, my taxes on my house, much smaller home, in fact, probably half the size of the home that I have now, were more than the taxes I pay right now in 2019. So I just want to say I'm really grateful to live in Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a financially stable state. I think that's really a, a powerful thing to say. Let's go back. Uh, to this statement that you made, though, it's this is not from tax dollars. So that immediately caught my attention. I would think that all federal or state governmental programs come from tax dollars. Tell us where the money comes from. Yeah, it's very unique, and not all states do this. Um, but our director was in the lending business for many years, so he knows the finance and how all this works. But it's, to put simply, um, our agency is the Housing Finance Authority for the state of Indiana, and every state has a, a what we call HFA. So having that finance authority allows us to do uh, housing bonds. So that's one source of our revenues. When we uh, sell bonds into the market, mm -hmm. um, we make, make some funds off of that. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course we loan it out and then those loans are repaid. And mm -hmm. so it's a kind of a evolving loan kind of fund internally, I should say, and not that we're uh, necessarily loaning the money out because our loans are sold in the secondary market and the financing is and servicing is handled by another entity. But the, the ability to um, to uh, issue bonds or issue bonds and have them sold gives us some of that financial support. Mm -hmm. And then the other way is, as I, as I just briefly said there, um, when our loans are um, are done by a local lender, mm -hmm. they are. Uh, then packaged and sent to U.S. Bank, which is our master servicer. Okay. And then they bundle those up and sell them in the secondary market. Uh -huh. When they sell those loans into the secondary market, they're safe loans, um, hmm. then we get a, a percentage of that. Hmm. So it's it's that's our financing stream, so to speak, that helps us pay for the program. So I have to ask because, you know, I'm such a fan of Mitch Daniels and all the good things that he did for this state uh, back in uh, 2004 when he was elected and beyond. Um, when did these this particular program come to be? I've not heard of such a program before, and it would be kind of cool, frankly, to 
to have a promo from your from your government agency to actually tell people about this because folks like me, I don't, I didn't know that. I thought this was all government. My tax money. Was going there. Yeah, um, I think that most of the programs that we have now have been around for about ten years. Okay, that's about how long our director's been in place. Good, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, before he was in place, and like I said, most states probably do it a little bit different than what we do mm -hmm. here in Indiana. Um, but they do use some federal dollars, and yeah. that's that's fine. That's what the federal government and, and our legislators that we elect have decided to do a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, but for for our agency, that also when you just like when you take federal dollars, um, there's more strings attached, yep. and there's more hoops that you have to jump through. There you go. And our state used those for a while, but we we've realized after you know being in the system for a while our director he's like you know those programs are kind of hard to use it's kind of hard for the home buyer to take advantage of them and it's hard for lenders to originate the loan because well you got to do this and this and this and this and this and so he's like there's got to be a better way so he figured out a way to back us out of those programs that we were in when mm -hmm. we first started and then um, introduce some new programs that are a little bit more um, straightforward as far as originating a loan and then um, the home buyer being able to take advantage of it. Those of you who are listening live, pick us up on the podcast later on or uh, the, the archive Facebook Live or catching us live right now. Understand this is a very unique situation that we're talking about here in terms of housing in the state of Indiana and the kind of work that Mark is doing uh, through this government agency is really great to hear these kinds of good words uh, that there's a, a different way to go about uh, helping people uh, in the world around us, and we're really grateful for that. This is a very fantastic uh, approach to how we think about life and living. Let's think, uh, take another thread and pull that for a moment and talk about the issue of stability and order. You mentioned a moment ago when you said that we encourage home ownership because it gives neighborhoods stability. That was one of your comments. This is a powerful statement and one that I don't know that everybody really fully appreciates. Tell us why that's so important, generally speaking, to everybody. Well, um, I guess from a layman's perspective, because I'm sure there's sociologists that can maybe dive into this more or maybe bring out points that I don't know about. But um, I think by and large, generally speaking, when you have neighborhoods that have um, intact families, um, that adds stability. It really all kind of, in my view, stems from the family. Um, and families need homes and need um, stable places to live. Mm -hmm. And um, I came from another community um, that I worked in before I moved to Indianapolis up north. And um, kind of the nature of the industry up there, um, I won't say community, not that it's a bad thing or thing, but there was more, you saw more people taking jobs in the manufacturing plants mm -hmm. for a year or two, maybe less, and then moving to another plant or even moving out of the community. And there's just more transitory. Okay. And so that's hard on, when that happens, it's hard for families to kind of establish roots mm -hmm. and, and and stick with it with a certain school district. And the teachers mm -hmm. get to know those kids and can help them along better and things. Mm -hmm. So there's just so many facets involved that I'm sure I haven't even thought of that um, a lot of it stems from being able to have um, stability in a family life. Mm -hmm. And a big factor of that is is the home that they need to live in. Now, it doesn't say someone can't grow up in an apartment or um, 
condominiums. We do fund, do use our programs on condominiums too, or anything okay. like that where there's not a, uh, um, a stronger tie to ownership. Um, mm -hmm. but, but we think that that's probably the best way as far as home ownership mm -hmm. to, to offer those communities uh, a, a, a stable peer um, and there's, you know, whether it's 25 or 50 or 100 or 1,000 homes in a community, some small communities, um, it still gives a family an opportunity for stability. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't say everybody who's in a home is stable. Sure. Um, family life is tough, and, and people's lives, unfortunately, can take, you know, a turn for, for the worse. But sure. if you're not even, um, if you don't even have those things to go to, mm -hmm. then it just makes it that much harder. Yeah. This this really speaks to the the Christian view of things when we think about order and stability. We start in Genesis, and of course, this gives us our framework for all things. Uh, Genesis gives us the whole foundation for for an orderly life, uh, an orderly world that God has established. And then all the way through First Testament teaching, we see the same thing happening over and over and over again. That the benefit is always because of the family. Family is one of the first. Uh, stabilized units of uh, creation that God has established in Genesis chapter 2. Very important, very powerful for us to understand this. And you're right, the stability, when you have a home, uh, and that we're talking about a house now, that really does add to that process of understanding stability from that point of view. Let's talk a, a minute about the issue uh, from uh, your perspective, you had mentioned that from your perspective, you think family is really important. Obviously, I do too. And anybody that's probably listening to this really believes in family as well. Um, let's talk about your Christian view of family and why that's important to you. Why, why does your, or, and how does your Christianity inform uh, what you do, how you think, how you live? Um, well, uh, you know, the Christian faith has always stressed the um, importance of families and for individual responsibility. Mm. Um, so it's it's important to have those structures of accountability, even within a family, to um, to challenge each other to do things that are right. Um, it's getting a little bit far afield from homeownership, but um, if you don't have someone in your life that can kind of help you stay within the guardrails, whether that's a faith, um, and hope, and I think that's the best way, uh, your family, um, close friends, then it doesn't take too long before, you know, it's like, um, you know, large ships, they can be one or two degrees off center, and five or six years later, they're like way off their, their <laughs> track, right? Right. And that can happen in anyone's life, so you really need to have people and institutions um, around a person um, and that's what the church does so well to keep people centered in faith and um, so that's been my experience um, I think you know it, the, the other thing too about the Christian faith it's a life it should be a lifelong thing you can't just come and go as you please mm -hmm. you have to really be committed to it mm -hmm. I like home worship in that way yes, you have to be committed to be a homeowner yeah uh, and there's more responsibilities when you're a homeowner right homeowner than if you're, you know, renting or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with those um, added benefits of homeownership comes added responsibilities, mm -hmm. and that's kind of the same way in someone's life. Um, you can't, the Christian faith is not something you just kind of step into when it's convenient. 
there's many times when you you want to do something else, but your faith says, no, that's that's wrong, that's sin, that shouldn't happen. Um, and you just got to, you know, sometimes bear the consequences of that. They're usually not, you know, massively wrong, unless you're way off course. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if you have the institutions and the family members and the friends to kind of hold you accountable, then that should never happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, it's a fact of life in a fallen world. And uh, so you need some, you, you need a roof over your head, not only um, physically, but metaphorically. Yes. And uh, the Christian faith can be. That's really a fantastic statement. Honestly, uh, one of those things that we have uh, consistently heard from our guests, and that is that living in a broken world, we need the kinds of structures and framework that a Christian view of life and things actually gives us. We're grateful for that, grateful for Mark's words here. And we're going to pick up on that fallen world emphasis, talk a little bit more about why the housing uh, group that Mark works for is benefiting those who might be less fortunate, who might be on the fringes of poverty. You're listening to Warp and Move Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We're going to take a one-song break. When we return, we'll come back to our conversation with Mark Dowd. We'll be right back. Facebook Live, you're still with us, but we'll carry on our conversation with our wonderful producer across the way, who always forgets that we're on Facebook Live. Live. I get in trouble when we move. Yeah, you want to come off the fridge? Join me one day in the neighborhood. I'm working. There you go. Yeah, that's fringe on this pocket. That's right. Let's smack that pocket. Oh yeah, ground zero. Oh yeah, man. I'm out here in the middle dealing with, uh, you know, single moms, 25 years old with three kids, 10, 8, and 3, and one of them's autistic, you know, I'm dealing with, uh, you know, dealing, uh, returning pa- uh, parents, you know, just been incarcerated and coming back in and they don't have license, they, they don't know where to start, so I'm dealing in, yeah, ground zero, mm-hmm. yeah, but, but, you know, God made me for it, so I don't never, ever, you know, shirk the responsibility, but... Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, when you hear a different guy, you know, when you say the fringes of poverty or something, it's like, yeah. woo! I'm trying to get people to the fringes of poverty. <laughs> and we made some progress. And then that's true. You, you know, you pick them up where they are. Yep. And if you can get them to the fringe of poverty, now maybe they can see, okay, there's another, there's, there's this hurdle I can jump, and now I can yeah. be out of hope. poverty. Right. Yeah, give them hope. Yeah. Yeah. You got to start someplace. So yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I had this old uh, adage I use all the time, you know, there's no grass blades without grassroots. And, Ooh, look and at that. most most things that I'm always involved in is like development of, mm-hmm. creation of, plant a seed of, mm-hmm. and then when you you know it, it takes a minute to grow, and then when it does, you can you know you say okay, good. go back and do this again, yeah. you know go pollinate some more, mm-hmm. and, and then you know that's really all we can do, all of us. Yeah. That's all we can do. How can we lend our energy to whatever you know mission or cause? And mm-hmm. This is important because a lot of people don't even understand the importance of a home home. Mm-hmm. And they don't teach it in my community. Yeah. Um, they don't even teach it. Yeah. And you get 40, 45 years old and go to buy your first house and you don't know what's going on. Right. That, and that happens mm-hmm. over and over. And yeah. That's a train wreck right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our programs teach are structured yeah. with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Culturally yeah. sensitive to understand mm-hmm. some of these people and never even shit. They don't know <laughs> nothing about all their yeah. mm-hmm. Right. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a whole different ballgame that, uh, you know, you're invested in. 
you know, for long term, helping people long term to really make a, a big dis, uh, decision choice that's going to have huge consequences. Yeah, because if you start early, if you start at 20, 21, understanding on ownership, like you say, work your way to the steps, and then mm -hmm. by the time you're 40, this is maybe your third home, and you made money because mm -hmm. you were able to understand mm -hmm. the process of yeah. buying and selling this home yep. and mm -hmm. the property value of this home. You know, now you now you got some leverage, but mm -hmm. yeah. right. you just go out there and I'm out the house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, good luck on that. Yeah. 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 Where's this neighborhood going to be in five years? Mm -hmm. What's this property going to look like in 10 years? I mean, you know, yeah. what's, the, what's the neighborhood plan? You know, they ain't teaching none of that. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to buy a house, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's, a, like I said, that's a train yeah. wreck. Well, the near east side here just oh, they're they're doing it. They were in there. I think they're across the street now. But Bob, sir. Yeah, in Bioshock, they, they've got homes that they bought and were rehabilitated or cleared and rebuilt. We got another name for that in the community, but. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, gentrification. Yeah, yeah you yes. know, yeah. neighborhood development or gentrification, whichever one you want to call it. And, uh, you know, depending on where you are in your, your lifestyle is what it is. And I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a dynamic. I try to get people to look at both sides of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're on one side, all you want to do is see your side. But when you look at both sides, it's almost like grocery stores when they talk about food deserts. Well, if I own the business, I'm not taking my little 2% profit margin business in this neighborhood where I know they're stealing my profit. Mm -hmm. So you can't blame the the, 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 the the grocery stores for not wanting to move into an area that's high crime that's taking away their profit. So what's the fix? But then we got neighborhoods now with no fruits, vegetables, and whole foods. In them. Mm -hmm. But but what's the cure? I don't know the cure. I know what the yeah. problem is, but the cure? Ooh, yeah, that's, that's another story. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. The same way with gentrification. You got all this mm -hmm. property, all these buildings, all that. You're not affording it. You're not uh, making it keep its value, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You can come in here and turn this thing into uh, a billion-dollar neighborhood. It's tough to say, you know, it's mm -hmm. tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is why I really TV at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 11 to 11.50, having great conversations and dialogues with lots of great folks, Christians from around Indianapolis who are doing good. This week we are have invited Mark Dowd to uh, sit in with us, have a conversation about housing, and we were just having a great uh, discussion with HB, HB Bell uh, across the table from us about issues that do impact the, the urban community and ones that uh, uh, we've actually had chats about in the past. We've actually had conversations on this particular program about gentrification uh, with black and white pastors who uh, encounter the same kinds of concerns in their neighborhoods. So back to the issue of living in a broken and a fallen world, Mark. Uh, we were mentioning this, you mentioned this before break, and the kind of work that you're doing uh, at, your, at the Housing Authority of the State of Indiana is helping this process. So tell us how is the housing authority making this transition helpful for those who might not have as much money as somebody else does? Um, well, to give a few of the details of how the programs work, um, they, our programs are set up um, to kind of streamline with how the whole mortgage industry works. So, um, but we help with, in our most popular programs help with down payment assistance. Like I said, they need several thousand dollars depending on the price of mortgage value. Uh, when they come to the closing table. So um, a, a home buyer would still go to a mortgage lender or to a bank mm -hmm. uh, and would still apply for a mortgage just like they normally would. They have to meet some income limits within a certain geographical area, a county, mm -hmm. 
Um, in Indianapolis, um, the the income limits are the same for all all of Marion County and the, the surrounding counties, with one exception being Shelby County. Um, so if they fall within that income limit, if their credit score is sufficient and the credit score limits for our programs are 640 if they go with a conventional loan and 660 if they go with a, a, a FHA loan, um, if they meet those two criteria, then they would be eligible for our programs. But they still have to go to a lender and be underwritten. So the underwriters still make the major financial uh, underwriting decisions, mm -hmm. whether they're going to extend credit or mortgage to that potential buyer. Mm -hmm. So we don't try to put our thumb on that scale at all because we don't, we think it's, we want the professional people who look at these things day in, day out to decide if that person's ready to be a homeowner. Mm -hmm. If there's something in their background that, uh, that is a concern to them, then um, they may not be ready for to be a homeowner yet because mm -hmm. we don't want to put people in homes Realtors don't want to sell people uh, homes if they're not ready for it and they're just going to you know, default in two or three years. That doesn't right. really help anyone. Mm -hmm. So we have kind of a long-term view in mind. Mm -hmm. um, but if they are at those credit score limits and uh, don't exceed the income limits, then it, in most cases they are what we consider to be financially ready to be mm -hmm. homeowners. And um, Another thing we offer for home buyers is we do offer a home buyer education course that they can take. Um, HB was saying on the break that, you know, a lot of people, certainly people who have never owned a home before, don't really know the steps to do it mm -hmm. and what all is involved and the added responsibilities we talked about earlier when it comes to home ownership and having to, you know, repair stuff on your own instead mm -hmm. of having your landlord do it and things like that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to consider. Um, and... Um, and even, even I, as, as a homeowner, um, there's a lot I've learned in, about the mortgage business mm -hmm. uh, since taking this job. But with our, our home buyer education course that we can provide mm -hmm. to potential home, home buyers, they can take that course um, as an existing homeowner or even a first-time home buyer. Mm -hmm. um, and one of, some of the financing requires them to have a home buyer education course before they can use the program. Um, we don't require, but if they go with a certain type of loan, like a conventional loan, it's required. Mm -hmm. um, but we will reimburse them that cost if they use one of our programs. So we try to encourage people to be financially ready with their eyes wide open of what it means to be a homeowner, um, especially when they're first-time homebuyers. Um, and then they can, they can use our funds for that down payment. Um, and then once they're in the home, um, then... Usually once they're in and they make their payments after two years, the, the, the DPA amount um, is forgiven. So the DPA is? Oh, I'm sorry, is down payment assistance. Okay. So on a, a 200, let's just say a $200,000 home, mm -hmm. um, just keep the math simple. Sure. Um, on an FHA loan, we're going to give them $7,000. Okay. On a $100,000 home, we're going to give them uh, $3,500 on an FHA loan. Um but in two years, if they stay in that home, it's forgiven. Nice. Yeah, to pay it back. Wow. Um, we have another program that's actually a grant at the front end, and we provide that to them as forgiven right away. Mm. Um, so uh, the goal is to get them into homes that they're financially ready to own and be, um, be a good steward of that, mm -hmm. uh, that asset. And that's the other thing for, for young people, um, certainly people um, in urban areas, um, the, 
besides the home being a place for stability for mm -hmm. family and for communities, mm -hmm. it is also a wealth building opportunity yes. for the ownership. Yes. Um, depending on where your home might be at, uh, you know, the rates of appreciation are going to be different. Mm -hmm. um, but in most cases, they're going to, over time, again, the long-term commitment, they're going to build wealth. Mm -hmm. And for many people, that's an important thing that maybe they've never had a chance to do. Maybe their parents didn't have a chance to do that because they've always rented or learned, lived in an urban setting where there was, you know, maybe they um, inherited a home or something. Mm -hmm. um, and there are programs out there to help people renovate their homes. We, we don't happen to do it through home ownership, but um, our agency does some of that. Mm -hmm. um, but the home is can also be a, a the primary wealth building um, mm -hmm. asset for a family um, once they get in it and live in there for several years. Mm -hmm. Then um, their next home, they may not need down payment assistance. They're ready to maybe move to a bigger home if their family's increased or something. Um, and they have enough equity in that home that they've been making payments on mm -hmm. that now they can buy a next home and take the equity from the, their current home it towards their new home. There are so many great things to say about all of this. The first one that comes immediately to mind is the necessity of thinking long-term. We live in a culture, however, that doesn't encourage that. Uh, we want things right now and we want them the way we want them, and that's an unfortunate thing, but it is true. So when you're thinking about home ownership, you have really do have to think about not even just years, but really need to think about decades in terms of gaining wealth. Proverbs says very clearly that uh, the best kind of wealth is gained little by little, and there are no get-rich-quick schemes in life necessarily. I wanted to go back to something, again, that you said that um, was of interest to me. You said that you have these programs in place, and if there was, uh, if after two years folks uh, have stayed in the house, uh, that all of that is forgiven. This is a fantastic thing, by the way, to get $7,000 for free, which is kind of cool. But anyway, back to my question. Do you, does the housing authority have any metric by which you have measured uh, the success of the programs that you're invested in? Well, we have the data, the loan data, um, and I'm sure we could manipulate it to kind of get a feel for that, but we do know that our, our default rates aren't any higher than just the normal market, mm -hmm. people that don't use our programs. Okay. Um, or if they are higher, they're very in, um, statistically insignificant. They're not like... At five percent at the normal, and we're at fifteen percent or anything like that. It's not even close to that. But um, so we're we're not out of the normal range of defaults when it comes to homeownership, okay. foreclosures, and things like that. Okay. Well, that's that's good news. Mm -hmm. That's a positive. Yeah. Uh, we actually just had a listener, uh, Jenny. Thanks for your question here. Um, you you said, can you ask? Maybe it's already been addressed. Do you work side by side, speaking on a mark? Um, with the NINHP partner with them, Indianapolis Neighborhood Housing Partnership? Yeah, we um, we're, I guess you could call us maybe a cousin organization. So they okay. serve Marion County and surrounding counties predominantly. Uh, ours is a statewide entity, but a lot of their um, corporate sponsors that support their program mm. um, are also participating lenders of us. Mm. Uh, not all of them, but I think at least half, if not a little bit more than that. Okay. So if, if Indiana Neighborhood Housing Partnership um, is working with someone, and a lot of what they do um, is, well, I'm sure most all of what they do is really good, but what one thing they do specialize in, in is helping people get ready to be homeownerships. Okay. 
paying off debts, you know, rehabilitating their, their credit standing, things like that, that you've got to have when you're going to buy a home. So then once they've worked with someone and walked that person through that process, then that person's ready to take that next big step of mm -hmm. home ownership. So then they would refer them to one of their corporate um, partners. Mm -hmm. And if it's a banking institution or even a lending company, that's also one of our participating lenders. They, if it's right for them, they can put them in one of our loans. Mm -hmm. um, so lenders by and large, in fact, with the reforms coming out of the housing meltdown in 2007 and eight, right. um, it's, it's incumbent even more so, far more so now than it was before for lenders to put people in homes with the financing package that's best for the homeowner and not what's best for the lender. You know, was, I wanted to go back to the issue that you just raised here, which really, it sounds like it's an educational issue. I mean, it, it sounds as if we need people uh, like this organization that, that Jenny was asking about uh, to come in and help people walk alongside them and educate them. Because my first thought is when you said 640, a credit rating of 640, that's still kind of high. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're down in the 500s or something, 640 is still kind of high. So do you have people that come alongside to help that process to get people to that place? It sounds like you do. Yeah, well, we rely on uh, Indianapolis Neighborhood Housing Partnership for that. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have a special program that will walk them through the, sometimes a, a longer process mm -hmm. than just going through a home buyer education course. Sure. Um, but there are entities out there that will do that. In fact, some lenders, um, will do that even if like say uh, one of the first things you do when you're ready to buy to look for a home is you want to go to the lender of your choice whether it's a bank or mortgage lender and get a pre-qualification letter and the bank then pulls their credit and kind of assess does a quick assessment of their financial situation with that without all the documents you need when you're actually applying for a loan mm. but they can tell the buyer how much house they can afford or if they're even ready to be a home buyer and there's some lenders out there that when they do that, they realize the person's not really financially ready, mm -hmm. but they're, they're close. Um, they will work with them. Some of them will work with people and say, okay, pay off this bill and this bill and that bill, do this and do that, and then come back in three months and we'll do another credit report and mm -hmm. see where you're at then. So they'll work with some people, and um, some lenders are better than others at doing that. Okay. Um, but many of them do that because, you know, they look at, you know, the biggest thing for lenders and mortgage lenders is relationships key because mm -hmm. anymore you know there's there's things like rocket mortgage and things you can do online and i'm not here to talk them down but um when you it's kind of like with a realtor you have somewhat of a it's a business relationship mm -hmm. but it's still a relationship right mm -hmm. and it's kind of the same way with mortgage lenders yeah. and that's that's the value that they can bring that you can't get um by pushing you know keys on a keyboard yes so the issue of building relationships is always what it's all about. I know Jenny's still on. Thanks, Jenny, for hanging in there with us for a minute. Um, and your comment <clears throat> is certainly apt that um, relationship is crucial. I know that's true with friendships. Uh, it's certainly going to be true, let's say, for instance, in my teaching students at TMS, which I do. Um, those kinds of relationships matter. Students care that their professors care about them. And then, you know, they're kind of reciprocating uh, their response and learning and teaching uh, from that vantage point certainly would be the same in any kind of relationship, no matter what it might be. I wanted to switch gears for a moment because I know that 
in the past, just a couple of weeks ago, we had D Kennedy in. And D, if you're watching or pick us up later, shout out to you. Thanks again so much for being on the show. Um, D is part of the Central Indiana Realtist Association. And before the show, I mentioned this to you, Mark, and you said that you're an affiliate member. Uh, so tell us a little bit about why it's important. We just mentioned relationships. Why is it important to have uh, memberships, affiliate relationships with other organizations so that we can help each other out? Um, well, that's, uh, that is important in, in my job. Um, and I should mention, I cover Marion County in Southern Indiana. And then I have a colleague that does like Hamilton County, Hendricks, Hancock in the North. Okay. Um, but for us, what we do with realtors and with lenders is we provide um, training, assistance, troubleshooting. Like if a lender has a question, you know, does would this particular borrower has this in their background, would they still apply or be able to use our program? So um, that's important. And the realist folks, uh, that's my, one of my favorite groups that I meet with because um, they've always been very uh, accepting. Uh, to us, and they, they use our products quite a bit. That's nice. Um, but yeah, they're they're a great group. Um, I love going to their meetings. I always learn something I didn't know before. Um, but yeah, so I we try to have member uh, memberships, affiliate memberships with my board and other board roles or organizations around the state. I'm also on the board of the Greater Indianapolis Mortgage Bankers Association, so we try to do programming for the mortgage community about different mortgage related issues sure uh, in fact next month i'm giving a presentation to the group for our nice. programs nice. um uh, but yeah there's so it's good to the the better you just like anything it's it's life over i tried to uh, impress this on my kids is um it comes down to relationships mm -hmm. and that just gives you not i want to say a leg up to give you an advantage over someone but a lot of times there's that saying, I'm sure you've heard it, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's right. Yeah. That's and, right. Uh, so that's the kind of um, relationship that we need to strive for in um, all of our life, every facet of our life, no matter if it's our faith, our friends, um, our place of employment, um, our, our memberships in different organizations, those are the kinds of things that will sustain you. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when sometimes life takes life takes a dip. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm thinking here of uh, Ecclesiastes chapter four, which says that it's much better to have three strands than two because those are much make uh, make your fabric much that much stronger. Uh, certainly, something that Mark is emphasizing here about relationships and the importance of that. You mentioned uh, all of the different kinds of folks that are in and around Indianapolis, the people that you have relationships with, and these other organizations, boards that you're on, and that kind of thing. Uh, we talked earlier about the necessity of building stability within neighborhoods. Let's talk for a moment about building stability within a city and the importance of seeing a city as beneficent to all of its citizens and the concerns that, uh, that you might bring to bear on that particular issue. Um, well, that is a very large undertaking. Um, my previous life, I... Um, worked in in politics in public affairs and government and things like okay. that and so that exposed me to a lot of different uh government actors government okay. people sure um and a city as large as indianapolis um, i mean you just take a scenario of one person trying to buy one house in 
for their house mm -hmm. and, and make improvements to their house and things, and then multiply it by however many residences there are. Mm -hmm. It's that is a big tough undertaking. Sure. And H, HB, HB, I'll say yep. HG, HB. We're, we touched on it a little bit on the break, and man, um, our programs are available statewide. Um, Indianapolis Neighborhood Housing Partnership does a lot here in, in Marion County and in Indianapolis. Um, and we certainly support what they do. They support what we do. We're kind of all in it together. Mm -hmm. um, and it works that way with, with, in most cases, with mortgage lenders, especially with the Sierra Group we mentioned earlier. If they have a person that their particular institution uh, as a mortgage lender, because uh, there's mortgage people that attend the Sierra meetings, and it's not all real lenders. They, they have a, a kind of a smaller group of just lenders out of the Sierra group that will, they'll pass a file to someone else, say, hey, I can't help them because we can't do these type of loans or something, but mm -hmm. maybe you can. Maybe you can, yeah. And they'll get together either on the phone or in person, and they'll try to work through one particular file to help someone mm -hmm. if that's possible. And so at the city, when it comes to government and the city levels, you have to kind of, I, I'm seeing this more and more. Um, we had an interesting um, last couple of weeks at our church looking at the whole issue of diversity. Yeah. And um, the key is you just have to you have to figure out how to um, treat the person in front of you as a person and not just as some kind of statistic. Right. And I think that works in government too. Um, what I did with um, my other past life is I did a lot of what we call casework, mm -hmm. where people would call into the office, they needed some kind of help or they're having a problem with a government agency, they didn't think they were getting the proper response, so we would try to help. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't order like an agency to do something against the law, mm -hmm. obviously, or anything like that. But we did ask, you know, just give them due process, just hear them out, just see if there's another way you can help them. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of just being able to help people, even on a one-on-one -on -one basis, that's that can buy you, if you're sincere about it, a lot of goodwill. And that's what I think our society needs right now, is mm -hmm. people that, instead of uh, yelling at others or, you know, just um, uh, trying to ignore them and think they don't exist, mm -hmm. um, hear them out, um, hear what their story is. Um, and in most cases, I think you'll realize they, they have more, you have more in common with them than what you might oh, yeah. initially think. Sure. Or so. Yeah, this is a, this is a powerful statement when you stop to think about living in a, in a pluralistic society. And by pluralistic, I mean that everybody should be listened to, not necessarily believed. But we treat people as people, as, as fellow human beings, uh, instead of a box to be checked or some kind of um, identity quotient or whatever the case may be. Uh, we treat each other with respect and love and care because that's what Christ did for us. And we demonstrate that same thing for everybody else. Uh, we just have a couple minutes left before um, our show closes here today, Mark. So I, I wanted to give you a, a minute here to kind of give an overview, some last statement, um, maybe a directive, an encouragement, uh, whatever the case might be uh, here in the last minute or so that you have to let everybody know about the kinds of work that you do and the importance of the work that you do and then uh, how that work can help other people. Well, um, there's, we have more, we have about five, we have six different programs that can help. We can help people with getting a credit against their taxes. We have a, a VA program that can help veterans, especially if veterans are moving from another state to Indiana to take a job. We have a relocation benefit mm -hmm. that they can key into as part of a program through the state of Indiana. 
Um, so that is another way to get more people in, in Indiana paying taxes, buying houses, and kind of churning the whole economic machinery that benefits everyone. Um, we're developing new programs that's going to add more money to help people with closing costs and prepaids because that's those are becoming kind of the next big obstacle that's keeping people from owning homes. So there's a lot of programs out there. People just don't know that they're there. So if you're working with a realtor or you think you're might buy a home, or even if you think you ne it was never possible for you to be a homeownership, just think again and go to places like INHPE or Indiana Housing and Community Development. Our website is homeownership.in.gov and look over the programs. Um, my contact information is on there and give us a call or talk to one of our participating lenders by all means mm -hmm. and say, hey, I don't think I didn't think I could buy a home, but if there's programs out there through Indiana Housing that helps with down payments, you know. I've been paying rent for five years. Perhaps maybe I could actually own a home. Mm -hmm. um, what do I need to do? And then that lender will work with them on an individual basis mm -hmm. and, and see if they uh, would be a good candidate for mm -hmm. home. Sure. Man, Mark, it's been so great to have you here on the show. Our time uh, goes so fast as it always does. We're grateful for the good work that you do in and around Indianapolis, all of the boards that you're on, all of the interactions, and of course, the relationships that are key that you mentioned earlier. We're grateful for all of that and the kind of influence that you have, uh, not only in the city of Indianapolis, but specifically with individuals who are hoping to buy homes and become homeowner, homeowners themselves. Next week, we are going to be in a brand new venue. Looking forward to that. HB and I are gonna travel across, uh, across the town here a little bit and uh, looking forward to uh, new things, new opportunities. We're going to be having great guests over the next month, of course, as we always have been. We've been doing this for three years. We have had over 200 shows, over 200 guests. We're grateful for the opportunity to serve Indianapolis and the Christian community in this particular way and thankful ever so much for all of our listeners. And uh, Jenny writes in one last time, uh, Mark, you should uh, be knowing that uh, Jenny's going to be looking you up on the website to learn more okay. uh, for your clients. This is the way we connect folks in and around Indianapolis. You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 11 to 11.50. We're coming back to you again next Wednesday. Looking forward to that and the opportunity to share with you Christians who are doing good. Until then, we'll see you then.